There's so much power when you when you say no, and it really shifts psychologically. I think the, in the minds of the people you're saying no to, and in your own confidence, you know that uh, hey, no, I don't need to do that. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and my special guest today is Tyler Frisbee. Tyler is the managing partner of Global Recruiters of McKinney, based in McKinney, Texas. He specializes in recruiting exceptional leadership talent in the environmental and industrial sectors globally. Tyler launched his search firm in 2012 with no prior recruiting experience and has become the number one office in his network out of 195 branches. Welcome, Tyler. Good morning. How are you, Mark? I'm brilliant. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Glad, glad to be a part of this show today. All right. Appreciate the invite. My pleasure. And so you were referred by our mutual friend, Rob Bowerman, who's also been on the podcast. Yes. Great guy. Love Very Rob. great guy. And uh, after speaking to you a couple of weeks ago, I understand why he ref- you know, referred me to you. You have an amazing story. Would you mind sharing it? Yeah, sure, Mark. Ha- happy to um, share a part of my my story. You know, a, a big part of why I recruit and what I do is for my family, right? As as all of us, uh, providing for our families, and um, and so for for me and my story, it, it it's best if I if I go back a little ways, <clears throat> as opposed to just jumping in right when I started recruiting, because um, it all it all ties together. <laughs> Um, so that, that being said, I mean, um, my journey really began back in, uh, 1996 when, um, I had recently completed my sophomore year of high school. I was 16 years old and, um, thought that I had my life, uh, under control and that I was, uh, um, uh, really invincible <laughs> in a lot of ways. I felt I, at the time I was dating a uh, a freshman in college who was a, a soccer star, uh, smoking hot. And, um, I, I, w- I cared about basketball and in girls, you know, and that, that was it. I didn't care about school or anything like that. And so, um, that was, that was my focus. And, um, all my buddies were jealous that I was dating a, a college girl that was, that was gorgeous. And, and, uh, so, you know, things were going well. I was playing on the varsity basketball team, uh, excelling. And um, one night I was talking to Heather, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I could tell something was off. And she wasn't really opening up. And finally, uh, after quite a bit of time, she had uh, disclosed to me that, that she was pregnant. And um, that next morning she was planning on going to, to get an abortion. And um, uh, I was just immediately humbled and shocked and scared out of my mind and couldn't believe it and realized for the first time that, well, maybe, maybe I don't have everything figured out. Um, maybe the way I've been living my life has, has been, uh, not the right way. And, and so that was really the first time I just remember falling to my knees and crying out to the Lord Jesus and asking him to give me wisdom and guidance. And so we, we decided together, uh, after a long conversation and praying together that we were, we were going to face the situation and we decided not to proceed with her initial plan. And so that's really when the journey began as far as my, my work career too, because I ended up having to quit playing hoops and, um, started to work full time after, uh, high school and you know, work until midnight, second shift in a machine shop and cutting grass, started a lawn business on the side, whatever I needed to do to start saving money. And, um, ended up graduating high school a year early. And right around that time, I, uh, was, um, offered a job to go work uh, for a friend of my father-in-law that owned a recycling business here in the Dallas area, family owned business. And it's very successful. And, and, uh, so they stuck me out in the warehouse initially, and I was on the sorting line, you know, picking through, paper and cardboard and riding shotgun on the roll off trucks, garbage trucks and, and, uh, front end load trucks and just kind of learning the business, uh, at the ground level there. And then worked my way into the office and 
was doing customer service and a little bit of sales here and there, and then moved up to a full-time sales role and then sales management. And then uh, you know, at the same time, I was going to night school at a community college um, after I graduated high school uh, about a year early. Um, and um, it, it was a challenging, <laughs> challenging time because when I, I ended up, I got married when I was 18. Um, and I, I remember I graduated high school on a Friday and, uh, the very next day, Heather and I got married. Our daughter was six months old at the time. And, um, we went on a nine day honeymoon to San Luis Obispo, California, and, um, came back and, uh, started this job and, and, uh, doing the night school thing. And, and a few years later had a second daughter. So I got two daughters now they're 23 and 18. Um, and, um, it was, uh, it, it was tough. I, I got my college degree during that time. It took me eight years through the night school program, but, uh, got, got it done fortunately. And so, um, so then, but I had been at the company, and they were a great company. I learned a lot. I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for that foundation, you know, learning the environmental space, uh, if it hadn't been for um, the Getter family, uh, wonderful people. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, yeah, I'd been there for almost 15 years, uh, and I didn't have the same last name, right? So I didn't have any equity in the business, and... Um, I was ready for a new challenge, and um, I was commuting a long way into the office, about an hour and a half each each way every day. And for some people, that's normal, but for me, it was a, it was a strain on my my marriage and relationship with my kids and everything, with work responsibilities and everything. So, um, right around that time, I uh, was my dad introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Eric Jacobson, who. Um, a lot of people in the recruiting world have, have might have heard of Eric. Uh, he was a successful recruiter for the MRI franchise for a number of years in the IT space, and he ended up selling his business for a lot of money many years ago. And so he was selling franchises for for Global Recruiters Network out of Chicago. And so he and I went to lunch, and he asked me, you know, he sensed that I was kind of burn out where I was at. And, and, uh, you know, he, he asked if I'd ever thought about recruiting and, you know, I was 33 years old at the time and, uh, really hadn't, you know, and, uh, so he, he strongly considered, you know, encouraged me to consider recruiting and, um, and so I did. And, and before I knew it, my wife and I were on an airplane flying up to Chicago to, to learn more. And we met with the GRN uh, team up there, and um, uh, it turned out they, they had a lot of, at the time, they had about 179 offices in North America, and um, they didn't really have any office that specialized within the environmental space, and that was, you know, my background for the last almost 15 years. So I felt like from an industry standpoint, I could add value, but I just needed someone to teach me the recruiting side of things, because I was clueless on that. Um, and I wanted to stay in a, in a space that I knew, um, and leverage a lot of the contacts that I had made, you know, over the last 15 years as opposed, as opposed to just flushing them and, you know, starting something totally different. Um, cause I liked the environmental space a lot and I was passionate about it and we were doing great things. And, um, but I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want to have to travel as much. And I wanted to, you know, uh, be responsible for, um, how much I earned versus someone telling me how much I was worth. And so, um, before we knew it, we, um, ended up taking against the advice of, of most, uh, people that I respected. <laughs> uh, yeah, at, at the time it, it, it's a lot, it's different now, my understanding, but at the time it cost a you know, hundred thousand dollars to buy a, a recruiting franchise. And, um, I didn't, Heather and I didn't have a hundred K just laying around, um, and she was a stay at home mom. And, um, you know, we had two, two kids in Christian private school and, and, um, you know, one in elementary and one in high school at the time. And I was making a paycheck, steady paycheck every two weeks. Um, and so, uh, we ended up, 
I had exactly a hundred thousand dollars in my 401k. Um, and so we ended up withdrawing every single penny out of that 401k and, uh, using it to purchase the franchise. Um, and that's where a lot of my mentors said, you're an idiot. Don't do it. (laughs) Um, and so it, it was uh, it was certainly a leap of faith on, on, on many different different fronts, but uh, I just I needed a change, and I, I believed in uh, the GRN system, and I and uh, but you know there's two people that supported that in, in my life at the time. One was my wife Heather, who was who was very very supportive. She had recently lost her dad um, a few months prior, so we were grieving uh, that whole uh, loss heavily. Her her and her whole family very unexpected. And it was just, it was really, really tough. Um, so she, she was great supportive of me despite the grieving that she was going through. And then the other person was my dad. You know, my dad believed that, uh, um, I could be successful in it. He, he was an entrepreneur himself. He had never worked for anyone else a day in his life and did well for himself. And, and so he, he said, Hey Ty, if you believe you can do it, man, you should go for it. Don't, don't listen to what these other people are saying. So, on on that advice and also praying about it, we we decided, all right, let's uh, let's do it. So we 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 invested the money, and at that point, it, there was no looking back. Right, I, I stepped away from the company, gave away a company vehicle, and got strong benefits and all that to to horrible benefits, being self-employed and uh, going 100% commission and. So very stressful uh, starting out, trying to learn the business. Um, you know, it took six months before anything started to happen. Um, back in, and going back when I was 16, when I was at the edge of my bed, just freaking out. A similar feeling uh, at this point in my life, right? I was on my knees a lot thinking, man, is a deal ever going to close? Um, different circumstances, but the same pit in my stomach feeling, you know, like, oh man, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Uh, and so, uh, fortunately, um, we, we closed the first deal we did was a split with another office and, uh, and, 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 but that gave me some hope and, and, um, and then the next deal falled and, and then the next deal and the next, and it just started to, started to snowball. But yeah, at that point, I think, cause my wife handled the, and still does handles the finances in our home. And we were down to like. I think a little less than a thousand dollars in our bank account for that's retirement. That's everything. (laughs) And I told her, I said, you know, don't tell me how much is in there. It's going to stress me out too much. Just let me focus on, you know, trying to get our name recognition and brand out in the market. And, and, um, and so it was right around that time when, when the ship started to turn, so to speak. And, um, and prayers started to get answered (laughs) And it, it, but it, man, and I tell you what, it's, uh, I would not regret, uh, I, I do not regret that decision. And, and if I had to do it all over again, I would, uh, without, without question. And, um, so each year since then, um, you know, we started, we bought the franchise in April of 2012. Um, and, um, it had been a steady, uh, incline, uh, year over year over year. And within, uh, three and a half years, we paid back our 401k and, uh, and, and everything was, was whole there. And, um, and it's just been, it's been a wild, wild journey. Um, and, and fortunately for the last couple of years, we, we finished, uh, as a, a billing manager, finished number one overall in our franchise network. And, uh, so just very, very grateful for that and, and, uh, was able, had the, the, the honor and the privilege to, to join the Pinnacle Society, uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and they've been a very supportive group in addition to the, the GRN family. And so, um, it's, it's been great, Mark. I don't know if that answers your question, but that that's kind of how, how we came to where we're at today. <laughs> Awesome. That is um, an incredible journey that you've been on and quite unique. I've interviewed a, lo- a lot of people uh, and I've worked with 
and had uh, an impact on over 10,000 recruiters in 34 countries. Your story is unique, Tyler. I've not come across that trajectory before from where you started to where you ended up. I think that is really special. Uh, So, you know, that's just amazing, man. That's, uh, you know, I, I... let me, I want to talk about the, the business and like you, how you grew it and how you steadily improved. That's the part that sure. I'm sure a lot of folks are going to really be interested in. But first, can I just rewind your first ever job? You had to support, you know, your family or 16. Did I hear this correctly that you, your very first job was a garbage man? Actually, that was my second job. My, my okay. first job, I, I worked at a machine shop, uh, in Garland, Texas, at a uh, worked on the assembly line punching okay. rivets. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I was there for about six months, and then I, I left there to uh, uh, to become a garbage man. Yes, so I, I was amazing. I was that's... eighteen or so when I started the, the garbage. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. So, listen, um, talk to me about your first six months in business, because, like, you know, your friends and family, apart from your wife and your dad. You know, people are in general are risk averse and they don't want to see you get hurt. So they're like telling you you're making a mistake, right? So that's in the back of your mind. You've you've invested all of your savings. And then things, you know, as which is as you now know and everybody listening knows, you know, building a new business or a new desk from scratch does take time. And six months is probably, you know, probably average for things to start getting traction. But what was going through your mind during that first six months when, you know, time is ticking and, and no deals are happening? Well, um, you know, accountability was important for, for me during that time, right? And, and staying close to GRN team uh, to keep me encouraged uh, through those dark days. And, um, you know, they kept telling me, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. <laughs> and, uh because uh, you know people want to do business with people who they feel are successful, right? Sure. And, and uh, when when things aren't happening, boy, it's hard to feel like uh, <laughs> you're just getting your your teeth kicked in, and 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 there's so much um, uh, discouragement from so many different uh, angles. And um, but all it takes is one phone call to turn turn that uh, that negativity around, right? I yes. mean, just you just need one yes. And, uh, and so that's what I, I really focused on. And I started at, you know, lower level searches, you know, sales reps, mechanics, um, you know, thing, cause I, I did, had no confidence and I, I didn't, you know, I was agreeing to, uh, fee, fee agreements that I, I would never even think about today, you know, as it pertains to my compensation and whatnot. And, and, uh, it, just to try to get some experience under my belt or whatever, um, and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, made a, made a ton of mistakes. Um, one of them was initially when my wife and I got into this business, the plan was we were going to work it together. And um, she was going to focus more on the candidate side. I was going to focus more on the, on the client side. And um, it was out of her comfort zone too, right? And so first, you know, we get back from training franchise. We had two weeks of franchise training up in Chicago. We come back to McKinney and we, we set her office up in the, in the media room and mine down in the study downstairs. And, and so, um, and she does great job, works her butt off, you know, learn, and she comes into my office and, you know, is kind of going over some stuff she's been doing and, um, stupid me, I go right to, um, telling her where she could improve. <laughs> as opposed to thanking her for the job that she did. You're so wonderful. I love you so much. Right. It, and it, I, instead of that initial approach, I, I went to the, uh, the criticism and, uh, she looked at me and she gave me a nice warm smile and she said, you're on your own and I love you. And this is not for me. And she walked out and she, uh, <laughs> Never picked up a phone ever again. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, oh, uh, you know, in hindsight, it, it, it was the right thing to do anyway. Cause she just, you know, she wasn't, uh, her heart wasn't in it and, and she was doing it just to be supportive of me. Now she, she does, um, she's a, um, former CFO of a high end steakhouse and she, she knows numbers really well. 
And so she handles all of our bookkeeping, taxes, uh, works with our CPA, you know, keeps the IRS off of our back and the payroll, does all that, right? And, and I'm, I'm horrible at that. And so without her spending those, you know, five hours a week doing that stuff, um, I, we as a, it would be in a world of hurt. <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, cause my- I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Right. And, and, right. and that is a, that is, that is a good one for me, but that, that was a mistake early on. You know, if I could have, if I could do it over again, that, that is one area that I would have, uh, I would have done differently. Well, it's funny. Cause that's a good lesson for coaching team members in general. Right. And, uh, but especially my, it's, you can't coach your spouse. It's a difficult uh, position. We're, yeah. We have a similar arrangement. My wife works part-time working on you know, office and financial management because uh, I'm similar to you. I'm, I'm better at the selling and you know, working with clients, um, but not strong at the, you know, at the financial management. So, um, so it's good to know your limitations and, and compensate for those and bring people with complementary skills on board, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we make a good, a really good team now. So uh, we're, we're in our groove. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So um, what did you specifically do during those six months in order to, you know, start doing deals, getting traction, making money? Yeah. Uh, so I was on the phone a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that, that's where the, uh, the foundation is, was made, was laid, was, was being on the phone and, and finding a strong candidate and taking that candidate and marketing it to, uh, various organizations, uh, within the space. And, um, you know, it's exhausting. I still do that occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. not as much currently today, but early on, that's, that's how, um, that's how it happened. And then, but what I noticed Mark was, um, when, whenever a deal did close, it wasn't, um, I was happy about it. I was grateful for it. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, I, I was, uh, we, we needed anything we could get right to pay bills and, and get, get the family, uh, kind of back on track, so to speak. And so, but I, it seemed like when I was recruiting these salespeople, man, that was a whole lot of work and not a, not a great amount of comp, uh, compensation. Mm-hmm. And they're so flaky a lot of times, and you're not always, they're not always telling you the truth, and not that other candidates do, but you, salespeople in general, I thought, were, were worse. Um, and I'm a salesperson myself, so, you know, I, I, I uh, uh, anyway, so I, I, I kept thinking, man, I want to do bigger deals, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to, if I'm going to go through all this effort, um, I'd rather work on, on larger assignments and, and get paid more, and so that... And that was a transition. That was a shift. Probably I started working on, you know, two years after being in the business. Um, And again, it was a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And and, uh, I remember I went to an an industry trade show because I like like to mix it up, you know, meet people. I'm I'm, I'm fairly good in person or feel like I'm a lot better in person than I am over the phone. Mm -hmm. And so relationships for me is kind of the key to my business today and, and, and getting it started as well. Um, and for me, there's no better way of doing that than, than meeting people face to face. And, um, and so, but you have to be very strategic how you do it. You know, you can waste a lot of time going to the wrong events, the wrong things. And, and, and so I was kind of figuring that out too, you know, early on, okay, what is worth my time? What isn't some events cost money. I didn't have any money at the time. And I was like, you know, what do I, what do I invest in? What do I not uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, I, w- I went to a large industry trade show and, um, at that show, uh, a buddy of mine, this was in Atlanta, Georgia, um, suggested, you know, gave me a, a, an invite only to a, to a bank party, uh, that later that night. And this was like day two of the trade show. And I was, I, I went there by myself it was a massive exhibit hall and I was just working the, the trade show. I mean, just, I was exhausted, right? I would get there, you know, 15 minutes before the door opened and then I would leave as it was closing, just working every booth, just going down every aisle. And it was, it was exhausting. Um, had a ton of business cards. <clears throat> well, at the end of that second day, I was whooped, man. And I, you know, I had a small handful of job orders, but, you know, nothing exciting, all, you know, lower level stuff. And I was like, man, this is just beating. 
And so he gives me this invite. I'm like, I don't want to go to a bank party. I mean, why would I want to go to a bank party? I mean, this, what a, what a waste of time. I, I should just go back to the hotel, you know, eat, eat uh, early dinner and go to bed, rest up for the next day. This was a four day deal. And I thought, now nah, I'll just, I'll just go. And I remember sitting out in my car in the, in the parking garage. And I almost just drove back to the hotel. You know, I, I came just inches from doing that. And I thought, no, I'll go up there for 10, 15 minutes, just to see what it's like. If it's a, you know, a waste of time, I'll, I'll just leave and, you know, go home. So, or go back to the hotel. So I, I went up there and, uh, man, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a game changer. It, it was all, it was all C-suite and, uh, um, CFOs, CEOs, um, COOs, um, private equity guys, um, all in the same room, probably three or 400 of them. And, uh, I was the only recruiter in the room and, uh, I got there right when it opened and I stayed until they shut it down and, uh, met some phenomenal people, uh, some of which are still clients to this day. Wow. This is back in 2014. And um, I think I left there with six job orders and um, good, good projects too. Exciting stuff. Stuff that I, that I wanted to work on, right? And I befriended one of the, one of the lenders, one of the bank guys that, that was there at, at the function. And uh, he happened to live in Dallas. I live in Dallas and, uh, he was about my same age, younger guy. And so, um, we, we, you know, he, he knew everybody in my space, like all the decision makers, right. He was working with all the CFOs. He was working with all the CEOs cause he was lending them money. For their- mm. And I was thinking, and I was like, that's the guy I need to, to connect with. Cause he can introduce me to some people at a higher level to get me in the door to some of these places. Kind yes. Of thing, right. So, so that was the, so we got back to Dallas. I took him to lunch. Uh, we became close personal friends. In addition to business colleagues, we still go hunting together a couple of times a year and our wives are good friends too. And so, um, but you know, I didn't go into it like, uh, I went into it with a servant mindset of how can I help Jake? Right. Yes. And, and uh, I didn't go into it like, Hey buddy, cook me up. You know, <laughs> that was not, that was not my approach. My approach was, um, you know, cause he needs business too. Right. And I yeah. work. And so I, yeah. I, I, I shared with him my, my stuff way before I even asked him anything about his and Good was, policy. You know, some, some people would frown upon that, but I, I you know, at the end of the day, people, like I said earlier, like to do business. Um, well, actually, I don't know if I said this, but people like to do business with people they like. Right. And, and, uh, it's all about relationships. And, you know, if another recruiter calls a client that I have a really good relationship with, I, I don't feel threatened, you know, because my clients are loyal and they like the work that I do. And, and so, um, I wasn't concerned about sharing data with, uh, with Jake and, um, and, and so, our, our, and, and ironically, later on, a couple of years later, I placed him as a CFO and then a, <laughs> oh, that's a platform private equity back company. And because he always wanted to be a CFO. And, and so, uh, but we're, so he's out of the banking business now and, and he's working for a private equity company. And, um, but it's just, uh, it, it's cool how, man, I, I came so close not going to that function. And it literally was, uh, was a game changer. For wow. Me. Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading, and listening to business books, watching TED Talks. But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and He helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I loved recruitment, my true 
purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. Couple of things I'm taking from that story. One is, you know, to always be open to opportunity and you never know, like that next phone call, you know, could could change your life, right? That next uh, event or conversation. And so when you start each day, whether it's you're thinking like, in the mindset you said, who can I help today? Or who can I serve today? Or how can I add value today? And I'm, I'm curious to know, I wonder what interesting people and opportunities are going to cross my path today. And just kind of bringing that mindset. And of course, you're not always going to feel like making the call or doing whatever it is. But, sure. you know, if you have that approach, then, you know, you'll opportunities come to you, right? Um, the other thing I liked about that story is your attitude to the referral partnership with your friend Jake is I've I've had tons of joint ventures and referral partnerships over the over the years. It's one of the main ways that I've grown my business. And I think you always need to go into it thinking that you want to make it so that the, you're giving more than you're receiving or that the other person is mm-hmm. getting more value than you. If you can structure it that way or approach it with that mindset, then uh, and really like seriously try to give value to your your partners, then it's going to come back. Absolutely, yeah, without question. That's uh, I believe in that wholeheartedly, Mark. Yeah. So uh, interesting. So that was a game changer for you. That kind of uh, helped you to move up the value chain and start working on bigger searches, higher value stuff, more interesting stuff. And so how did things progress from there? Because that's still a long way from becoming, you know, the number one billing manager in the, in the network. You know, what, what were the key stages there? Good, good question. And, and so, um, you know, a big part of what we do is people need to know who we are, right. And in, in our, in our particular niches that we work and, um, you know, name recognition, your brand recognition is important um, because ideally I, I didn't want to have to be the one initiating <laughs> phone calls every time. It'd be nice for some people to call me, right? Yeah. As opposed to me sure. doing all the calling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, that was my goal, right? Is it's less of a beat down if, if, uh, if you're not having to, you know, make, make all the calls. And so, um, I, I, you know, I leveraged that initial network, right? I mean, one of my uh, franchise offices, the uh, Brian Stracer, I remember sitting in a meeting and, he, and, you know, the comment that he made was uh, leverage everything, right? Leverage everything. And so uh, I always try to remember that when I'm on mm-hmm. a call, you know, okay, what, what else could, could we do here? What, what other uh, ideas can come from this or what have you. So, mm-hmm. but it, ta- it you have to be intentional about it. You have to remember it. Um, and I don't always do that, but I, I, I tried to uh, adopt that. And so I, um, another kind of a ballsy thing that I did that a lot of people would disagree with was, um, there's a, a trade show, uh, publication, um, that, um, it, is, is big in my, in my space. And I, I befriended the, ex, the executive publisher of, of that group and, um, really good guy. And, uh, and as a, as a, became a, a personal friend too, but you know, he has the media outlet to the, the entire space. Right. Yes. And, and, um, I thought, well, how, how could I, you know, and so I helped him with some introductions to some organizations that he was having a hard time, um, getting into and, uh, personal introductions and, you know, shared my info with him and, you know, and, and I didn't really know him that well at the time, but, um, I just kind of went out on faith that, Hey, this, you know, this was going to, this was the right thing to do to, to help him. And so, um, in, in return, which I didn't know he was going to do this at all, but he, um, he started a, a private equity, um, uh, kind of a com- 
conference an annual thing um, with with my input and help on who he should invite to the function because I knew a lot of those guys at this point, and um, it made me a, a, a sponsor, like a executive level sponsor, but free of charge, um, and uh, allowed me to you know get my name out and and uh, in front of the the audience and and whatnot and. Uh, and then w- whenever I do a, a high-level deal that's not confidential in nature, because some of the, a lot of the stuff I work on is confidential, so I, I can't share a ton of stuff. But um, I will send out a press release through mm-hmm. his media outlets, right, to the entire industry, and he'll put on his newsletter and what have you. And then I'll send it out through my database, um, just kind of announcing uh, a, a deal that we recently uh, closed and just congratulating the candidate and the client kind of a thing and so but it helps with that name recognition that brand recognition in 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 the space of people just being reminded that uh hey we're we're doing deals um and um i would get a lot of email inquiries from hiring managers saying hey you know thanks for letting me know about this you know by the way i I need a cfo over here can you help me Mm. kind of a thing really um and so that uh, has paid off in spades as well, and um, I and I haven't had to market a candidate, and I don't remember how long it's been now. So I, you know, it's just it's just all about the relationships and, and the connections, and the, uh, so it, it was quite a shift, you know, from what what uh, how I started out doing the business, and and that and that way, but I'm. And I had to do that to learn it, right? And because uh, there, there's fundamentals. Like when I qualify a candidate, I know it's going to take 45 minutes to do it the right way. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to, I always start on the personal side. I always start on the personal side because uh, they need to know that you care about them as a person, mm-hmm. right? Before you even talk about business, I don't care if you're talking to a CFO who's normally just numbers driven. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a VPS, it doesn't matter. It's it's um, you gotta connect with them on a personal level, and uh, and then when you do that, they're more apt to want to help you too, right? And mm-hmm. not that you're you know asking for it, but they'll they'll help you without you even asking. Um, and and so you know, there's nuts and bolts to the recruiting process that I that GRN taught me, you know, right out of the gate that um, has been invaluable. Brilliant. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to pick up on that you said. One is, you know, getting to know people personally and so that they know that you like them is interesting because there's a book co- uh, by Robert Caldini called Influence. Have you read this? I have not, no. It's definitely interesting. You can find a sort of summary on on YouTube, which is good. It's one of those animated summaries where they're drawing pictures to go along with the presentation. Uh, So that gives you a 10-minute primer on influence. But it's a great book. Uh, American psychology professor Robert Caldini wrote this book called Influence. And uh, what's interesting, one of the principles in the book, I think there are seven principles of, of influence. One is getting away from the idea that you need everyone to like you and actually reversing that because... You, what influences people is actually showing that you like them, not trying to get people to like you. And it's impossible to make somebody else like you, right? That, you can't control that. But you can control, you know, demonstrating to them that you like them. And, and so because if they feel that they like that you like them, they're more uh, likely to trust you and you know, follow your advice is the, is the principle behind it. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that, and that reminds me of something that happened uh, right before I got in the recruiting business. Um, There's a, an Italian, um, you know, Italians in the garbage business, there's a lot of them, right? (laughs) (laughs) uh, One of my customers at at my former job um, was a, uh, Genentazio was his last name. Yeah. Good Italian last name and he and I worked on some joint projects together <clears throat> and uh he could tell that I was a people pleaser and uh it bothered him because <laughs> he, he he wasn't that way you know he was a very successful business guy and, and and so one time I was at lunch with him or something and and he looks at me and he goes Tyler I want to give you some advice 
I said, what's that, Frank? He said, uh, if everybody loves you, you're not doing anything. Hmm. And I said, hmm. First, like, I don't know if that's true. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah, it is kind of true. <laughs> and so I've had to, I've had to adjust my thinking, you know, um, along those lines. And it's been actually revolutionary for me applying that to my, my business today. Cause I do have a tendency to want people to like me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's not, that's not the right way to, to look at things. So yeah, the, what you just shared is, is great. I'm going to check out that book. It's interesting that, um, what you said about if everybody likes you, it means you're not doing enough, right? You're not putting yourself out there enough. What, um, You'd said something to me in a previous, I think it was in an email about not being afraid to say no to business. Can you speak a little on that? Yeah, yeah, that, that was something, that was definitely a transition, right? From early in, in my recruiting career to now, um, I, I said yes to everything, right? Because I, I wanted to get experience, so, you know, and, and I, I learned a lot of hard lessons in doing that. and you know, working for cheap and working for just jerks and mm. people that I didn't like. And, uh, uh, but I felt like I had to do it because, um, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I was a little, uh, trigger happy uh, to use, <laughs> you know, I did whatever I could get, you know, whatever I could do, I do, but man, but there's so much power when you, when you say no. Right. Um, and it really shifts, Psychologically, I think the, in the minds of the, the people you're saying no to, and in your own confidence, you know that uh, hey, no, I don't need to do that particular assignment, or you know, and, and the assignment could be a great assignment except for one aspect of the assignment, right? That could just tank the whole thing. And as you, you know, do this business more and more, you 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 learn, you know, what what are the most important things like sense of urgency, yeah. <laughs> right? If there's yeah. not a sense of urgency. Don't waste your time on it. Uh, I learned that again and again and again. Yeah. No kidding. The, the urgency is going to get, is going to get higher and it doesn't. And I'm an idiot again, you know, so <laughs> I, I've, I've learned that lesson so, many times. I, I still occasionally am, and, and do it. Uh, gosh, darn it. But I, uh, but I, you know, uh, I'm much better at it now than identifying it and, and moving on to something else because there's there's just more more stuff to work on and what would so you now it's like go ahead I I, I actually enjoy saying no hmm. <laughs> interesting so it gets easier with practice yeah yeah and and uh, and the things that you do say yes to you feel like man you can really put your shoulder into it you know you you can you can really uh, because you know, I try to focus my projects to three, no more than five at a time, right? As far as the assignments I'm working on, I really like to have three. Uh, and I have one, I always have some one-offs here and there that, that I have uh, kind of going, but um, anything outside of that, because I'm a solo off practitioner, right? I don't, I don't have a, 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 you know, recruiters and, and search consultants or so I don't have any of that. It's just, it's just me. And so, um, that's even more important to be selective in the assignments that I, that I take on. And so, um, yeah, being able to, to say no, and my, my wife has helped me with that too. She's like, is that really a good idea? What you know? <laughs> so Tyler, what's a great be, sounding board? Yeah, that sounds awesome. What would be uh, some examples of things that you would now say no to? Um, anything below a 30% fee. Okay, cool. Example. Yeah. Don't waste my time. Mm-hmm. Um, can, before you go on, can I yeah. just touch on that? Like, because this issue came up, I've got a, a coaching group um, called Inner Circle of recruiting firm owners, and we have a private Facebook group. And one of the questions that came up yesterday is on fee negotiation, because this uh, gentleman had an opportunity to get six searches with the same company. And, but they wanted a discount. And so he was, you know, he wants that business. It's ideal for him. It's right in his wheelhouse. And, you know, under the current circumstances, people are lighter, you know, business is slow for a lot of people. So what I was going to ask is, 
is that rule firm even in the era of COVID-19 or like, what's your, what's your stance on that? Yeah, no, it's still, uh, well, I work in an essential business, right? So even if, if, um, there's a pandemic, uh, garbage still needs to be picked up. Right. So sure. uh, whether it's at the home or at the office or wherever mm-hmm. it is, it's, uh, and so, um, that for me personally, I don't feel like I have to, um, uh, give discounts like that. And, and I, I'm still getting calls for people needing help, but there, there's been a lot of upgrade needs in the space. You know, when, when times get tight like this, the, the bad apples come to the surface quicker within organizations. Right. And so, uh, hiring managers and owners that are serious about looking forward to the future and not just what's happening today, you know, they, they will invest the money to, to make the proper upgrades sooner rather than later. Right. And, and take advantage of some of the talent that might be available now that, that, uh, or might be more open to listening now than they were when, when, when times were, were robust. Right. And mm. Great. So, yeah. um, so that's when I'm talking to hiring managers, that that's kind of the, the seed that I'm planting in their minds is, is, you know, that kind of, you know, Hey, let's, yeah, things are crazy now. Uh, but you know, let's look, what's this going to look like a year from now? You know, you have the opportunity to get this amazing candidate. Um, and so let's just go ahead and do it now. Cause you know, a year from now there's going to be, you know, six other people knocking on his door. And, and so I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, yeah, no, I'm with you. And, I'm with you. But yeah, so, so to add, go back to the fee thing, you know, yeah. even like the multiple, the tiered thing, I don't do a lot of those cause I'm doing executive level stuff. Right. So I don't mm-hmm. have like, Hey, I need six CFOs. Right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. They're, sure. they're, they're one at a time type of assignments. Um, and so I don't feel like I need to, you know, give discounts, um, you know, early on in my recruiting, I did have, you know, the, you know, a, a client say, Hey, I need to hire four salespeople. I want a discount. And, and at the time my franchise instructed me, okay, charge them 30% for the first one, you know, mm-hmm. 29% for the second, 28, 20, you know, go down that way. Yeah. And then at the, on the fifth one, it starts back over kind of a thing, right? The, at the beginning of the new year, it starts back over. So mm-hmm. you, know, you, don't get, you don't box yourself into doing the rest of your deals with them at 27% or whatever right. it is. You know what I mean? Um, and Makes so that, that was the advice that they gave me. Um, mm-hmm. But um, anyway, yeah. So no, I, that's I cool. That, so oh. I interrupted your flow. We were talking about what to walk away from. So your criteria is, you know, anything less than 30%. What else is something that you would walk away from? Um, I, I asked all my hiring managers, you know, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rank the sense of urgency? If they give me anything less than an eight, yeah. uh, I will typically walk away. Yep. Um, I use the one to 10 scale a lot. I mm-hmm. would encourage other recruiters to do the same. Yeah. Um, after when I'm doing a, you know, a debrief after an interview, I ask the candidates the same thing. Hey, on a scale from one to 10. Now that you know what you know about the opportunity, how would you rank that partic- this particular opportunity? You know, it's a, such a good way to gauge where people's head is at. So they tell you, you know, a six is okay. Thank you. Why why did you say six? You know, and then you can mm. tell you the reasons why they're concerned or whatever. Um, it is just a really good barometer for me, and uh, I I would encourage others to. It's funny. Tap into I use the exact same thing, Tyler. Uh, I probably shouldn't say say this on the, uh, tell my, my secret here, but I would, you would think it's kind of obvious, like if you'd stop and think about it. So if, if people want to talk to me about coaching, then they need to apply for a strategy session with me where we talk about their goals and their challenges. And we, we sketch out a, a, a roadmap for how they can, you know, move past those challenges and, and achieve the goals. And one of the questions on that questionnaire is on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how motivated are you to achieve your goals? Now, mm-hmm. if someone is not motivated to achieve their goals, they don't need a coach, right? There's no way you'd hire someone if you're not passionate and, and really like um, compelled to achieve those goals. And it's funny, I, I was funny when people filled the form, if they put anything less than, as you say, eight or nine, then you're thinking, why would I spend time with this person? It just wouldn't, that wouldn't be productive for either of us. So yeah. I think it's, it can be useful. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Another criteria mm. I think of it, um, it's, it's quite frank. And this, 
may or may not be wise, but if I don't like the person, <laughs> yeah, like I agree. If, if they come across as mm-hmm. arrogant or, uh, you know, just too, if I get the sense that they're going to be too difficult to, to work with, mm-hmm. right. Or if, if I know they have a bad reputation in the industry mm-hmm. and, you know, they've been known to screw people on payment or whatever, you know, yes. like, I just, you know, life is too short to, to, in my mind, to waste mm-hmm. time on, dealing with people. And I had another a, a fellow pinnacle guy tell me, well, yeah, Tyler, but you know, their money is green too. And, and I get it, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I, and I've taken, <laughs> I took an assignment just recently and I was, that was the one thing that I was unsure about is like, is this person mm-hmm. going to be a jack wagon to work with? And, um, and they were, uh, and it was, a, it was a very difficult assignment, um, but was able to get it done and um, he ended up, unbeknownst to me, he referred another CEO, private equity guy that he was on the board of. Uh, and I, I didn't realize that this guy that was a kind of a jerk, he was on four boards, right? Hmm. And uh, all within my industry. And um, he was spreading good things to some people that needed help finding talent. And, and so that was, you know, hmm. I, I got an assignment from him and, and did that deal. Um, but I didn't even know he referred me until I asked the CEO. I say, how'd you, how'd you find, find out about me? And he told me that that guy referred, for, referred him over to me. So I was like, ah, okay. Well, That's I funny. Sometimes first impressions are wrong, right? So yes. I think <laughs> it's okay to give people the benefit of the doubt. And then after you work with them, you know whether you want to continue working with them. Um, I mean, yeah. sometimes you can tell right away, right? That this person is not going to be a good fit for you and you should just you know, refer them to someone else or point them in a different direction. But uh, sometimes you don't know until after you work with them. Yeah. And and another criteria now that Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of it is uh, if the firm is working with another recruiting agency on the same assignment, I will pass. Yes. I just won't waste my time on that. I've been burned on that too many times. Um, Agreed. And I just, uh, that's, it's just got to be, it's about relationship, right? They have to, I do, you know, my average fee last year was 85,000 and, but I, I don't do retained, uh, traditional retained work, right? Like I don't charge anything up front to do my search. Interesting. Okay. And a lot of people say, Hey, you, you're an idiot. Um, and I get it. Uh, <laughs> but what, what I do require in my agreements is that uh, they'll work with me exclusively. Yeah. You know, I tell them that, and a lot of these people, maybe I haven't worked with before, so they don't really know me either, you know, and, and I just tell them, hey, I think you should pay for results, not effort. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm not going to send you my invoice until the project is finalized in return, I, I want you to work with me exclusively. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to that, if you get any candidates, uh, referred to you outside of my efforts, I expect you to funnel those through my process as well, so we can include them on the same playing field with everybody else. Yes. So uh, and um, and so they they agree to that as well. And so I you know I, I do things that lower my risk, but it's at the end of the day, it's on me to deliver, right? And uh, and hmm. our clients want speed and they want accuracy, right? And, and, and we're not resume factories and, and we can't operate like that. And so, um, but what I'm most after mm-hmm. is their referral when the project is done, right? That's, that's, cause that's what keeps your name in good light with folks yes. is when you, when you do a good job, yes. you want to be able to use them as a reference, right? And, yes. and uh, so I would rather totally. have that than take, you know, a percentage up front and, and, uh, and Tyler, competing against the corn fairies of the world, right. And the Spencer yeah. stewards that, that do require that money up front, mm-hmm. uh, on a new client, you know, for them, it's, it, it could be perceived as less, less risky if they work with someone like myself. Um, because I'm not requiring them to, to give me money up front when we haven't done anything together before. Cause I don't have the corn fairy name, right? Like I love going up against those guys. Cause I, it's, it's a blast, but, um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. I no, that's all right. I, I want to pick up on that. I, we will, 
I wish we had more time because I would like to dig into this uh, with you. I, um, I would encourage you to reconsider your stance on that, actually, Tyler, regarding I, I think you should be charging a deposit because the exclusivity is great. But what happens if you're six or eight weeks into the search and the client says, oh, never mind, we, we're deciding not to go ahead after all. And you've mm-hmm. already put a lot of time and effort into that, then you know, then you're, you, you come away with nothing. Right. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate of not necessarily like the corn fair corn fair. You're going to charge you the fee regardless of whether or not you fill the job, right. They're just going right. to, you're going to pay the full fee. Um, and they're, it's, it's, it's invoiced in like every 30 days or, or whatever in, yep. in, uh, tranches, but for you to work primarily on a, results basis, but with a deposit of some kind, which is then deducted from the final invoice. I think that's a really happy compromise for both you and the client to show that, you know, they're committed. You're going to put, you know, a ton of effort into this search and you just want to know that they're serious and they're committed to the process. Um, That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. I appreciate Mm. you offering that, Mark. So, well, look, that's maybe, um, we can pick up on that conversation another day, Tyler. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today and, and, uh, you know, please come back again some, some other time. Cause this, this was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate you so much and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Hey, listen, just before I go, two things I wanted to, um, ask you, well, one thing I wanted to share with you, cause I think you might appreciate that. And I, I sometimes do a stoic moment on this uh, kind of segment on this show. Um, And so let me share that with you as well. This is from Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor. And now forgive me, I I don't speak Latin, so I don't know if my pronunciation is good, but he has an expression, memento mori, which is remember that you are mortal. So he says, Mm -hmm. this is from... Uh, book two of the meditations, you may leave this life at any moment. Have this possibility in your mind in all that you do or say or think. And, you know, he was really big on this idea of every day, all the time, reminding yourself of your own mortality and letting that guide and influence your thinking, your the way you behave, the way you interact, the decisions you make. And uh, I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, that's good, man. Awesome. Good. Thanks for sharing that. So Tyler, you you said to me on another occasion, is your am I right? Your daughter studied over here in Scotland. She did, yeah, in Edinburgh. Cool, and she sure did, and she she uh, she was there a year and a half ago, I think. Okay, amazing. That, I mean, such a weird coincidence because that's that's where I live, just outside of Edinburgh. What what made her choose of all the places in the world to come here? Yeah, good question. So uh, when she graduated high school, we have a, a, a kind of a deal with our girls that um, when you graduate high school, we'll take you on a on a trip, right, to celebrate your graduation anywhere in the world. You get to pick. And so Riley, my oldest, picked um, uh, Europe. She wanted she wanted to to um, Scotland and Ireland and England. Um, you know, kind of road trip that that way. And so. Um, so she, we first, uh, we really stumbled upon Edinburgh on that trip, right? And after her senior year of high school, and we, we drove through it, and she just fell in love with the city. And she was like, man, I would love to come back here, spend more time here. Because we were only there initially for a couple, couple of nights. And um, so the opportunity surfaced, you know, when she was a junior in college, she was looking at the abroad programs and one of them was in Edinburgh and she said, I'm going there. (laughs) It was was an easy decision for her. And sure enough, that's, uh, that's what she ended up doing. So she, what she did was she saved her elective. She didn't use her, a lot of people, college students take their elective classes, you know, freshman, sophomore year to kind of get them out of the way. Well, she elected to do the harder stuff earlier. So then she took her electives when she was at Edinburgh so Mm -hmm. she could have more fun. Cool. And, and, and have less intense classes, you know, overseas. And so, um, so that's the, the approach that she took and it ended up, uh, being a, a really good one for her. 
That's awesome. Well, listen, if you ever come back this way on a family trip or otherwise, then let's get together. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be fun to meet up. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, awesome. that'd be awesome. All right, Tyler. Well, look, thanks very much again for being on the show and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.